We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Johnny John A1, does uh, the upside change for Junior Chilamaka moving to Viper, does this that limit his potential, or could he actually be more impactful there? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Ryan. I have a very strong opinion on this. I don't think he could be more impactful. I think – so this is what I think about Junior Chilamaka at Viper. I think he could be a very good edge setter there. I think he could be a very good run defender just in general there. I don't think he's a true on-ball guy in the sense, right? Like he's not – like he's not the twitchiest the longest defense like i i just struggle with like what's the upside with him against the pass right like are you gonna is he gonna rush the passer and make an impact in that role like i i don't see a all-around player at edge at the viper position i see a run run down type of guy that i think could do a really good job setting the edge being physical in the run game but i i just don't think that he impacts the position all around enough for me to say he has more upside at Mike linebacker. I think Mike linebacker is a more natural position. I think he has the tools where he could be a better all around player at that spot. I just think he's kind of a one trick pony as a Viper, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, yes, I agree. So basically what you're saying is his ceiling is limited as a Viper compared to he's a, he's a, he's a good run stopping Viper. I don't think he has an impact in the passing game as much. Yeah. Agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Next question here from John A1 also. Going into 2023, I feel it's safe to project running back, O-line, and cornerback as elite position groups going into the season. What position group, other than quarterback, because it's obvious, needs to be elite to compete for a title, in your opinion, Ryan? I, I think defensive line's one for me that needs to be bordering on elite, if not elites. I think we've seen that the, I think it's trends in football, right, John? I think you've seen it when Alabama was really at its best, when Georgia is what Georgia's been able to do over the last couple of years now the difference between maybe a Michigan versus an Ohio State at, in certain regards too, is I think that their defensive lines are playing at a little bit of a different caliber. Like in Georgia last year, what was the best unit they had by a large point? Like it was the defensive line. They were incredibly deep. You had two first round picks. You have another kid that's going to go in the top five this year. You have Nolan Smith who's going to play in the NFL and you had Adam Anderson who would have played in the NFL if he did not do what he did. Right. So you have an incredibly deep defensive line. I think back to the Alabama years of like when they had Dalvin Tomlinson and Jaron Reed and Ashawn Robinson and Quinn and Williams, and they had all those guys, right? So I think defensive line for me is the major one where I say you need to win the line of scrimmage, but you need to win it on both sides of the football. And for and I think that's a pretty consistent thing for the good teams across the board that have been that have had stay power at the top of mm-hmm. college football. So. Give me defensive line by far. I would agree with that. I was tempted to say linebacker just because of the way Al Golden runs his defense, to be honest with you. Like, if you give me a really solid defensive line of big guys that are eating up blocks and just elite linebacker play, then I think you could get a similar result, Ryan, to what you're saying. That's just fair. because of how and Al it, Golden runs the defense. And it makes sense because Al Golden went to Penn State, right? And that's like – that's. Penn State's li- like they're up there with the linebacker U conversation when you talk about what they've done at the linebacker position historically. So it does make sense when you kind of track where he's been and what his what what really stays with him. I think that linebacker is an important position mm-hmm. to your point. Yeah. And Wayne put this chat up. You said this several times in the chat. I was calling out adults who trash kids. We understand that. Yeah. We spoke to that. We absolutely spoke to that. My whole thing is, is what I'm saying to you is when you speak to those adults and you say, well, you, your whole comment was you would do the same thing if you were in his shoes. And I don't like mm-hmm. that. Right. Challenge people for being like, if you're calling a kid a douche, if you're calling a high school recruit a douchebag because he took NIL money, 
the fact is, is you're kind of projecting the douchebaggery onto <laughs> you're, him. That's you're actually, douchebag. That you're the yeah. douchebag. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you're jumping into Peyton Bowen's mom's DMs because you're pit and talking trash to her because you're pissed off, he's not going to go to name. You're the idiot, not Peyton. That's that doesn't reflect on Peyton. That reflects on you, Wayne. So, like, not no. I'm sorry. Doesn't reflect on you, Wayne, because you're pushing back on that. It reflects on you, comma. You know, so so Wayne, we're on the same page there. But what you said was is essentially saying that people would do the same thing if they were offered a million dollars. That's my issue, right? So, Wayne, I got your back if we're going to sit here and talk about people calling out kids, but that's not the way you phrased your question, in my opinion. The way you phrased your question was, well, if you were in his shoes, you'd do the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, they wouldn't. And some of these kids that are – some of these th- and think about this, Wayne. If these people are that passionate about Notre Dame that they're willing to go act like complete idiots in response to what an 18-year-old does, they probably would turn down a million dollars to go to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like those are exactly the people that would not take that money because their passion is so deep that they go out and act like complete morons <laughs> in how they interact with other people. Right. And I'm sorry if that offends you, if you're that person, but if you're jumping into Peyton Bowen's DMS or in, into Amy Bowen's DMS or Eli Bowen's DMS, and you're talking trash to them because of the college decisions he's making, whether you like the decision or not, if you're doing it to Dylan Edwards, who we did not like how he went about his business. That's not a Dylan Edwards problem or a Peyton Bowen or an Amy Bowen problem. That's a you problem. Simple as that. But that's not what you said, Wayne. You said if they were in the same situation, they would do the same thing. And I don't think that's the way to go about it. If you want to talk about people trashing kids, brother, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I don't think saying I think Peyton Bowen's making the wrong decision, if that's the decision he makes, is trashing him. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to – I'm not saying Wayne said that. I'm saying that. We can have a decision to say, hey, I think the way Peyton Bowen went about this, let's just assume he decommits because he hasn't done that yet. I would say I think it's wrong the way he went about it, and I think the decision he's making is incredibly short-sighted and has a greater chance of hurting him in the long run. That's my that's my counsel to him. Does that make him a bad kid? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that I'm going to go jump in his DMs and talk trash about him? No, it doesn't. I just think he's making a poor decision. We should be able to have that conversation, right? That's fair. Yeah. But it's the trashing him, Wayne, that you and I are on the same page on, Ryan. And I know both of us I can't stand that crap, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you dislike a kid, ignore him. Don't talk to him, right? Yeah. Unfollow That's him, same. block him, whatever. I don't care. But same, st- stop tweeting at him. So yeah. if, if we're talking that way, then you and I are on the same page, man. Flat out on the same page. That's that's why Twitter invented a mute button, man. That's right. A mute button, they invented a block button. Like that's why yeah. they did it. That's why that's they did. Right. It. Brian, can that's I throw right. you a, a really weird note that I just saw sure. a report that came by? Will Anderson and Bryce Young are both playing in the bowl game. I saw that. It's Isn't that wild, man? It's wild. I, I wonder if they got some NFL feedback that maybe wasn't necessarily so. like the greatest. I doubt it. I don't know. I doubt it. That's interesting, though. I've talked to a couple people. We can talk about this more afterwards, but I've talked to a couple people that uh, were not hot. I mean, Will Anderson's is a little bit surprising to me. Mm -hmm. Bryce Young one doesn't surprise me. There's there's Mm -hmm. some folks that are, uh, I need to see a little bit more from Bryce Young for a couple reasons, but we can get into that later. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it surprised me a little bit. Surprised me a little bit. Patrick Earwood, it's my 18th birthday. Thanks for having a great show. Patrick, happy birthday, man. Especially the big 18, man. He's like an adult now, right? So (laughs) there you go. There you go. Happy birthday, Patrick. Very, 
very much. So it's, it's all downhill from there, man. No, Enjoy no, it. no, no. Don't listen to him. He's a bitter 30-year-old. Don't listen to him. 31. No, nah, 31. Yeah, don't listen yeah. to him. It gets better. It, it eventually starts going down, and I'm on that downward slide. But trust me, buddy, you've got some good years left. Enjoy them very, very much. Yeah. John A1 says, what's the most important thing for Marcus Freeman between now and spring camp? Where can he not afford to come up short? Uh, I think the biggest thing for me, Ryan, is this team needs to be more bought in. Mm. I think that's a big thing for me. Across the board. Big thing for yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Now, I, mean, I think that this is a – it's a very important offseason – John, to your question, because to Brian's points and just to add to it, is that everybody at first is going to act like they're brought in, right? And then you see the day-to-day, you see the week-to-week, you see the month-to-month, you see the game-to-game, all those different transitions. And then there's going to be some players that just do not align with the values and the vision that you have. And I think that you're seeing it in a lot of places for some coaches that were first-year coaches this year where there's going to be some defections from a roster because there are some players that do not buy in for whatever reason. They're not, they're not all the way bought in. So they might leave early for the draft. They might enter the transfer portal. They may do whatever. Right. So I think that this is a interesting off season in the sense that if there are some defections from the roster, I just don't think people should assume it's, just the player's decision on that front, mm-hmm. right? It's a mutual parting in some instances and not mutual in others. So I think people need to understand that in order for – I put it on Twitter yesterday. If you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem, right? If you mm-hmm. stick around and you're not a part of the vision and the solution, then you become cancerous. You become a player that is going to affect the growth or stunt the growth. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some players that are not a part of the solution. That's fine. I'm sure they could be a good part of a different solution in a different place, but just at Notre Dame, I think that they're trying to figure out who are the core, who are the players moving forward that are fully bought in and are guys that you can count on to fulfill that vision. Mm -hmm. We did a, we had another super chat from Wayne. Wayne, I appreciate that. You didn't need to do super chats in order to get that point. We would have got to you, but I do appreciate it. I do. And and standing up and, and pushing back. I mean, if you don't agree with the way we're taking it, dude, that's what this conversation is for. We were paying attention to your chant, your 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 comments in the chat. I just don't think your original comment portrayed what you thought you were trying to portray. That's all I was saying. So, but I appreciate it. Not a lot of people stand up and take that. So I appreciate that and I respect that. So very, very much. So we got it down here, Ryan. Got a couple more super chats. Here we go. Here's one from Beef Eater, another one from Beef Eater. Brian, do you think indie coaches asked Peyton Bone to watch the 30-30 for documentary The Best It Never Was? Marcus Dupree was paid a ton of money by OU and had no education to fall back on. Well, that's because he never finished his – I mean, it's someone that he never finished his degree at Oklahoma. Yeah, he left So that was – yeah, they didn't leave after his second year, right, Sophomore in Oklahoma? Year, I think. Yeah, because yeah. then he went to Southern Miss. Well, he went to, right? he went to Southern Miss too? at first and then ended up – not being able to play there and then mm-hmm. went to the USFL yeah, yeah. and uh, eventually the Rams and then towards yeah. the up with the Rams. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have a buddy who says he was literally the best high school and freshman running back he's ever seen in his life. I, I mean, I've seen that documentary and that kid was a freak show yeah. as an athlete, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Show. Remember when he, um, in that documentary, he got super out of shape and, and fat. And then he like lost like a crazy amount of weight in like a couple months. I'm just like, 
what the heck? And man? played like, in the NFL after that, Ryan. <laughs> like, wild, that's the crazy man. thing. Like, he's like, ah, I think I'm going to spend the next couple months getting healthy. And then made an, and he had already had like major knee injury and still and went like out three, and made an NFL. He was like 300 pounds. And then he turned himself down to like 240 and was just like muscled up. I'm just like, what the heck? Yeah. What the heck? That's nuts. Yeah. He, me, he meanwhile, was I, meanwhile, I try to lose like 10 pounds and it takes me like three months. Like, <laughs> Oh goodness, John A. One is Tyler Health Buckner Health fully healthy for the remainder of his football career. What would you project his Notre Dame career to be at this this point? That's a good one, Ryan. Um, yeah. If I could project that he's fully healthy, I think Tyler Buckner is going to end up having a very good career at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, it, even if they get a transfer quarterback, so either he a sits for a year and then has two years to start, or he beats that guy out and he starts for three years. Yeah. But if I knew he look, I have no, I have not lost any faith in Tyler Buckner's ability. Now I'm getting to the point now where I need to see him turn this talent we have seen into game day production with yeah. y'all on that one. But the tools are there. Mm-hmm. It just he needs to tap into those tools. But but if he's healthy for the rest of his career, John, he has a chance to be a very good quarterback. And this kid's talented. And I know that it's always sort of the what have you done for me lately thing, and you're gonna judge on your most recent performances. And his most recent performance was very poor was right. Yeah. We have no clue if he'd have bounced back the next week and played great. We don't know because why couldn't say healthy. Yeah. So if I could, if I knew that he, then he'd spend the next three years healthy. Cause remember he got his red shirt back this year. Then I think he's got a chance to be a very good player. There's some I other things so. of his game. He's got to work on. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's a very talented kid. There's no doubt about that. All I know is when uh, when NCAA 24 comes out or whatever the heck, it, whenever the heck it comes out, I'm gonna play with Notre Dame. I'm gonna play with Tyler Buckner. I'm gonna turn injuries off, man, and we're gonna we're mm-hmm. gonna win the Heisman. So yeah, I hope the, I hope for the best for Tyler Buckner. All joking aside, for yep. a second, I absolutely I think he's a great kid. He's a really talented kid. I I hope that he's able to get past the injury bug because some guys do, but a lot of guys don't. Right, yeah. so it's it's a question mark right now. Yep. Here's an interesting one from Wayne Miller. He says, why could a transfer wide receiver play immediately when Tobias and other freshmen can't? The premise being, obviously, guys come in, they don't know the system, and Notre Dame is very slow to build guys up and get them ready to play and all those kind of things. Uh, It's a very fair question, Wayne. I think the easy answer would be those guys normally come. It's kind of like quarterback development, right? Because, well, you can't develop quarterbacks. Well, then Jack Cohn comes in and has a pretty darn good year. Why? Well, he was already developed. If you're someone who buys into the – Tom Reese can't develop anybody. Well, then you want him to have transfers because they're already developed. He just has to put the scheme in play. Uh, let's just use Dante Cephas as an example. He's not coming to Notre Dame, right? He's mm-hmm. going to go to school in Pennsylvania somewhere. But just for argument's sake, he already knows how to line up. He already knows how to run routes. He already knows how to work against the zone. He already knows all the he's, – he's a very fundamentally sound football player for the most part. He's played against Power 5 schools. He's done some things. He doesn't need to be taught any of that. It's just plug him into the a position and teach him the scheme and he's good to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And he'll pick up the scheme quickly because he's been there, done that. Whereas a freshman has to learn some technique. He's got to learn terminology. He's got to get bigger and stronger, get used to the speed of the game. It's just a much bigger adjustment at that point in time. That's really what it comes down to. Yep. And I think a lot of, you'll see a lot of, a lot of teams run some, some I mean, especially route concepts, right? Like, a lot of teams run the same route concepts. They'll just have different terminology for it, right? Like what the play call is and what are some adjustments off of different route concepts, like those types of things, option routes. But for the most part, I mean, a flood is a flood, no matter where you run it, right? A snag is a snag, no matter where you run it. Levels is levels, no matter where you run it. It's like those things are pretty universal. It's just about how 
different offenses phrase those type of route mm-hmm. combinations. Yep. All right, let's get to another question here. We have a lot more questions here. We have some really, really good questions today. Detroit Hunter. Uh, oh, oh, I keep bringing that one back up. John the Gabrick says, whatever happens, happens. This class is still great. Got to follow it with a great class in 24, and a commitment tonight will only help that class. If that were to okay. happen, they, if they get any East Williams. Let's also not forget that it's following up what had previously been Notre Dame's best recruiting class since 2013, which mm-hmm. is last year's was. They finished sixth in some, seventh by others. Highest ranked class Notre Dame's had since 2013, defensively especially. But offensively, you came up short in numbers in some spots. But you still landed some really good football players. Jerry Price is going to be a really good football player. He's healthy. Really good tight end class. Tobias Merriweather has a chance to be a star. Offensive line class was deep. Really good offensive mm-hmm. line class. And then, of course, a really good defensive class came up short at safety. That's a concern that we'll talk about on signing day. If Peyton Bowen doesn't sign with Notre Dame, we have to sit down and have a conversation about Chris O'Leary, in my opinion. So, But hopefully that doesn't happen. I, I think it will, but hopefully it doesn't happen. Uh, but um, yeah, it's stacking them, Ryan. I mean, that's the key stacking mm-hmm. them, stacking these classes. Some are going to be bigger than others, but stacking really good classes that meet needs and ba- and complement each other well are going to be important. Like, don't just have great receiver classes every year, but you're falling short at running back, quarterback, and offensive line because right. you're not really building your team up at that point in time. I'll, I'll say this too, Brian that 2024 class, very good start to the uh, offensive side of the football, which Notre Dame was slow to get that started in 2023, right? Like it ended up being good, but I mean, it took you forever to get your quarterback. You took you forever to get your wide receiver group in place. Your offensive line didn't really fill out until late as well. So, I mean, right now you're sitting with your quarterback in 2024. You're sitting with a running back uh, wide receiver in 2024. If Aeneas Williams commits tonight, you're sitting with a running back. You have Peter Jones in the, in the fold at offensive line. So, Notre Dame's offensive class in 2024 is already substantial at this point. You already have a quarterback that's a borderline, and some have him as a five-star quarterback, which is going to be big for the class. So yeah. build off of this one, make it better. I talk, I mean, I talked to Cam Williams frequently, and he's told me just flat out, like, we want to be better than 2023. Like, we just want to be better, right? And you, they should. They should want to be better. Agree. Here's here's one, Ryan. Speaking of 2024, what are from Seth Clark? What are some of your early 2024 recruiting crushes for Notre Dame? Do you have some, Ryan? Yep. Sorry if I could have hit the unmute button, then we would have been good <laughs> to go there. Oh uh, yeah, uh, easy ones, man. Carter Nelson is one that I've talked about a ton. Tight end out of Nebraska, six four, six five, two hundred and ten pounds. Super long, explosive, athletic. Raw as it can be, but one of the most impressive athletes that you will find in the 2024 class, not just the tight ends, in the entire class overall. He is that special of an athlete. Then I, I would say, Brian, I mean, a kid that I just talked to pretty recently, man, Danny Okoye out of Oklahoma oh, is a kid's a freak, freak. show, man. Freak show. <laughs> He's a freak show, man. When you look at the, uh, the athleticism he has, the physicality he has, the – explosiveness i mean the kids six five with vines explosive he boxes in the offseason and has since he was like fourth grade and he's homeschooled like he's a he's an interesting cat man i'll have a story on danny okoye soon but i I think i've gravitated towards some of the freak shows in the class so far Mm -hmm. and those two are freak shows man they are they're two of the better athletes in this class pound for pound 
I have a few. I mean, obviously, yeah. some of them are already in Notre Dame's class. I think CJ Carr was a dude. I thought that was mm-hmm. a great pickup for Notre Dame. Wide receiver, Micah Hudson is is one that I'm incredibly high on. He's a very talented a kid. Yeah. I love Emmett Mosley as a player. I mean, forget that his dad, mom went to Notre Dame. Just watch him play. He could play corner receiver. I love him as a potential slot receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Gearbeat Lambert's a, one of my favorite offenses. He's just super, super toolsy offensive lineman. Yes. I love the kid you're talking about, Okoye, but another lineman that I like that I don't think Notre Dame is going to have a shot at is Jay Sean Ross, to me, has a ton of of talent Explosive. outside. Yeah. He is a dude that's got a lot of ability, a lot of ability that I like. Uh, Darius Hayes is another one, Ryan, at linebacker that I that I love a ton. The kid that went to Ohio State one of my favorite players in the class, Garrett Stover. Love that kid's film. Um and uh oh yeah Garrett's yeah. gonna be a stud for yeah. Ohio State man he's gonna be so yep. good yep yeah. Ryan that he's wasn't good. meant for you sorry oh that text okay. was not meant for you it was a guy gotcha. an Oregon guy reaching out and asking me a question um gotcha. so I thought I was texting him not you apologies <laughs> uh, like, what are you talking yeah, about man I love Garrett Stover I love his ability um a kid that I've been told that I'm gonna love that I haven't watched yet, and I'm gonna watch him tonight is Tylen Singleton. I've I've been told that I'm gonna love that kid on film. I just, I, I just watched watch him yet. I just yeah. watched him. I just watched him. He is a very physical safety. I mean, I think he could be a rover too eventually. He's yeah. like 6'2", 200 pounds. He's explosive and physical, man. He's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So those are some so those are some of my early favorites, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, uh, of kids that I like. Micah Hudson's a good one, man. That kid is like He's Odell Beckham Jr. reincarnate. Yeah. He is very good. Tons very and good. tons of talent. Absolutely. Explosive. Yeah. Absolutely. John A1 asks, what do you expect from Al Golden going forward? Not hope. Will his defense be better coached in 2023? I mean, look, if we take out what we hope for, his defense is going to be better next year because kids are going to have a better grasp of the system. Mm-hmm. There's still going to be similar flaws, halftime adjustments, things like that, but – they're going to be better because they're going to they're going to have just more time. T- time will always get you to a certain point, right? This is things we saw in the past with Notre Dame when we had issues with the offense. You know, guys struggled early and to pick it up, but by the time they'd been in the system two three years, they were better at it because they figured the system out. It's still flawed, but when it's a veteran group, it's better, you know. And so I think it'll be better. Um, I think it'll be more disruptive. I think we saw a second half of the year that when it when the kids finally start to figure it out a little bit, it's a more disruptive defense. I have been told that the bowl prep, they've been much more scaled back in, in what they're putting in for the bowl game. We'll see if that continues as we get closer and closer, but so far it has been. That's going to be the key. But I can't say that that's what I expect from them because I don't know. That's yeah. that's more of the hope thing for me, Ryan. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that there's a there's a test period with being a first year coach, in my opinion, and I think that you look. Al Golden's been around the ringer, right? Like he's been a head coach, he's been a defense coordinator, he's been an assistant on the college level, NFL level. I would hope, and I I do have some confidence in this. Yeah, I won't know until 100 percent until what happens, but Al Golden's a smart guy, man. Like I I have to assume that he's going to be able to make adjustments and understand what the shortcomings were, what the strengths were. And adjust accordingly. I really doubt that he was a successful head coach in a couple spots without understanding what he has to do in order to adjust, right? So I have hope for it, but I I agree. I think penetration and the amount of chaos you can create, the penetration style, I think that those are things that need to improve because right now, especially, that's what you have, right? Like you have speed up front. You have some guys that have speed on the second level, Create chaos. I'm, I'm not asking for you to be 
gap on sounds or lack discipline as a first and second level team. But I'm asking, you know, for a little bit of let's get guys moving a little bit, you know, let's get downhill. Let's make some, some plays in the backfield. So I hope that you see that, that push to make a more penetration style production. So Ryan, next question here is from Berkshire Yankees. He says, given the difficulties with getting Vipers, do you think Notre Dame will ever go to a 3-4 defense? Two comments on that. Yeah. Number one, 3-4, no, because in th- if I were to accept the premise of trouble getting Vipers, mm-hmm. you're going to have the same problem because a, a Viper is essentially the same thing as what a 3-4 outside linebacker would You might be. have more problems. So, to be agree. So I think to his point, though, I think what you could see, however, is Notre Dame going to more of the 3-3-5 that Marcus Freeman uses Cincinnati. And I think they'd actually even be better suited for that in the future than they would be at Cincinnati. The problem Cincinnati had under Freeman was there were certain teams that were going to expose MyJ Sanders being small and they could run on you. And it forced him to kind of get numbers heavy. They had to get very numbers heavy to stop Georgia's run game. They did, but they also then gave up 400 yards passing to JT Daniels, right? So I think you could see a scenario where Notre Dame goes with a 3-3-5 and you have like Brennan Vernon, Bubakar Traore, and Devin Houston types, Tyson Ford types, Aiden Gobira types, Riley Mills types as your three down linemen. And then the Josh Burnham's kind of play the third linebacker that move around like a and then come off the edge. Right. 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 Having said that, I don't necessarily buy the premise of the question. I think Notre Dame has been able to get Vipers. I mean, Isaiah Foskey, Jordan Patelho, Josh Burnham, Aiden Gobira, Justin Adamiola. I mean, those are good football players. Now, they're Mm -hmm. what they're not getting to his, they're not getting the Keon Keeleys. Very fair. The reason that Notre Dame struggled to get a Viper this year is number one, Keon, what, even though Keon left them early a lot of time, it was still late enough to where most of the Vipers had already committed somewhere else. Yeah, and they had a hard to, time getting back in it. kids. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and the other problem is this was not a great Viper class. And all the good Vipers that did exist are in the Southeast. And mm-hmm. you're you're going to have to buy those kids. And Notre Dame's not going to buy those kids. So it just wasn't a great year. I, I, I do think they're still kind of scouring leading into signing day and then the second signing day trying to find a sleeper type of kid. But I don't think they're going to have necessarily a problem finding. I mean, Jared Smith, to me, uh, as I always get the t- Jacob, Jacob Smith, Smith is a Viper prospect. Yes. And Ryan Ryan's a little higher on him right now than I am, but he's a good football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no Talented. doubt about that. Uh, yeah. He's a Viper type of prospect. There's there's other guys, Ryan, that Danny I think. Danny Okoye is Yeah, he's too. a kid that yeah. fits as a Viper prospect. So I yeah. don't think Viper's really been a huge – I mean, Aiden Gobire was a borderline top 100 kid last year. He was recruited mm-hmm. as a Viper. Josh yeah. Burnham has turned into a Viper because that's the other thing too is not all Vipers are Vipers in high school. Well, I wouldn't be right? surprised if Preston Zinter is a Viper down the line either. Like, could, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all. He's, he's gotten longer he, or taller, that's... a little taller and thicker. Uh, it got some sent some pictures of his – of his in-homes he's gotten but he's filled out a little bit and he he looked to be about an inch taller than he was when he when when he committed yeah he's he's a legit six three plus i'd say now and i mean he's got some length to him and he's actually played on ball a ton for his school out in massachusetts as well yeah. so i mean i wouldn't be shocked if that happens and i mean like you said brian there are some guys on the board jacob smith uh danny okoye i mean darius, uh, darius Hayes might be a guy darius. 
Yeah, yeah. He might be a guy. He might be a, a linebacker guy. that eventually converts. Bryce Young, they like. He's a he's a project projectable type of kid. Yeah. Uh, Josh Lloyd's another kid that they're looking at. That's a viper type of kid. You're gonna have to find and to to you're gonna that's a position that Notre Dame's gonna have to. They're gonna they're gonna do much better to land the Foskies, you know, as far as pure ends, who are you know maybe projectable guys that need time, but they're not the big time top fifty guys. And then there's the Burnhams, the really long, rangy, athletic linebackers that grow into Vipers. That's the that's the path for Notre Dame to to really have impact players in that position. Not recruiting mm-hmm. Keon Keelys because the reality is, is until NIL changes, the Keon Keelys are always going to be kids that you're just going to have a hard time getting out of the South. It's just the reality of it, right? Yeah. Um, no besmirching of it. It's just the, it's the reality. It's just it's what those kids are going to do. Father David Penny says, with bowl season upon us, what's your favorite non-Notre Dame bowl memory? Mine you know is – go ahead, Ryan. I, I was just going to say, you know what's funny is that I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but the first one that popped in my head was uh, – you remember the Oklahoma-Boise State one? That's what I was going to say. Liberty and well, just, It was Laterals. such a great game, period. Yeah, it was a great game. And and you had two crazy plays that – you know, you had the, the hook and ladder to, to win to tie it and send it overtime. Mm-hmm. And then, the uh, they, but they all had a was it a two point conversion that they had off of a halfback pass, right? Remember that, or was it a touchdown? It was a two point conversion, wasn't it? I don't they remember had a the tailback run to the right, and he threw it to a tight end in the back corner of the end zone. Did that he? was in that game uh, as well. Yeah, not about that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was in that game as well. So it was a great, it's a great bowl game. And anytime Miami got beat when I was a kid, that was always that was always a good bowl game. You know, I, me- I remember after that game too. It wasn't that the game where Ian Johnson, the running back for Boise State, proposed to his yeah. future wife in that game too, which yeah. was pretty wild. That was that was a crazy game, man. Jared yeah. Zambransky was the quarterback for Boise yep. State. It was, was yeah, wild. It was I'm, I'm looking this up here real quick, Ryan. I'm pretty sure I'm correct about that. You probably are uh, just about remember. the two point conversion, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So anyway, uh, that's a 14, 21, 28. It could have been a different game. 28. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, No, it was the touchdown before the two point. That was that way. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't the, um, it wasn't the two point. Yes. Vinny Peretta threw a touchdown pass to a tight end. That's what got them in the position to then go for two. Cause the statue of Liberty play was their two point play. Yep. So that's what it was. Well, just the way that they won that game was just nuts. It was a that was a fun. that was a good Oklahoma team too, man. Was. Like, that was a talented was. Oklahoma team. <laughs> not not great at quarterback, but I mean, yeah, no. Adrian Peterson at running back, Gresham at tight end, Joaquin Iglesias yeah. uh, was their wide receiver on that team. Like that, that was a good team. It's good I mean, football Trent, team. Trent Williams was on that team, I believe, at left tackle too. I mean, that was a good Might team, been. man. Might have been team. Might have been. Yeah, it was a heck of a game. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, not because you say non Notre Dame bowl games that, that makes it a little bit, a little well, bit interesting. I, mean, I guess Texas USC, right? I mean, the yeah, that was a great one. Game. That was a great, great one. one. Miami Ohio State was a great game. I mean, What's just a, other than the Willis McGahee thing, that took a lot of the kind of the energy out of that game when he had that really bad injury. But that was a great game. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some others um, over the years that have been really good games. You know, anytime there's like an upset, I always enjoy those. But yeah, I'm trying to think playoff. Oh, the uh, Georgia Oklahoma game from a couple a few years ago was a phenomenal game. You know, the playoff game, 
You know I'm talking about mm. the 2017 yeah. playoff game that went to overtime. Oh, Georgia won uh, 20, 54 to 48. That mm-hmm. was a pretty big one. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a real big one. So, yeah, that's a heck of a game. Heck of a game. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to some more of these. Good question, Father David. Coach, I'm really intrigued by Brennan, Brennan Vernon. Can you touch on him and how Notre Dame will use him? You want to take a crack at that, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, Brennan, look, he's been in the class so long that I feel people don't talk about him much because he doesn't care about social media. He doesn't care about doing interviews. It's not his thing. I mean, when you watch him do an interview, it is so awkward, Brian, because he just does not care. Like He just doesn't want to be he does not hide his, his, his. He does not hide the vibe of, I'd rather not be here right now. Exactly. He would rather just be yeah. going. He would just rather be in a gym. Playing football, doing something else. Like that's that's his vibe. He is 6'5. When Notre Dame signed him, I be, or um, he committed to Notre Dame, I believe he was around 250 pounds, 245 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. My man is right around 280 plus pounds now. He is a massive, massive dude. How I think he's gonna be used is he's a big end to start, and then we'll see how his body continues to develop. I mean, if he's a guy that can hold 295, 300 pounds without losing much athleticism, then I think that's your three technique down the line. Like, I think that he could do a lot of that work, but I think early on he's a base, strong side defensive end with the length and explosiveness he has. As long as he keeps improving his technique. I, Brian, what, what did I just talk about him on the phone with you yesterday? Like, I think that people just are really underrating how good of a player he is. And I think he's going to be a very good football player at Notre Dame. So he's going to do a lot of the dirty work. He's going to get kind of not the credit that he deserves at times, but I think he's got a lot of talents and a really impressive physical player. Absolutely. Let's get to some more here. Uh, it's got another one from John A1. Based on what's projected to return, could the 23-0 line be Harry Heastan's most talented group? Who? that's a tough one. I Because, like, you got to think about this. The 2015-0 line had Ronnie Stanley and Mike McGlinchey at tackle. Mm-hmm. Two top 10 picks. Yep. You had Quentin Nelson at left guard, who was an elite player. Yep. Top 10 pick. G- generational player. Yeah. Nick Martin at center, who mm-hmm. was pretty good player. Good player. Maybe, maybe drafted a little higher than he should have been based on him being Zach Martin's younger brother and Harry Heastan disciple. And they had Steve Elmer, who was a good player at Notre Dame and would have been drafted had he stayed for his senior year. Mm-hmm. And bid more, you know, focus on football. So that's a very ta- – I mean, Alex Bars could not start on that offensive line. Like, you yeah. had NFL guys on, as backups on that line. You had Bars, Mustafer. They were backups on that offensive line. Yeah. And so that – that that it would be hard for me to say that the next year's group is going to be more talented than that one, Ryan. Really hard for me to say. That was a phenomenal offensive line. I think it's a, it is an interesting conversation though, because I mean, next year group, you're going to have Joe Walt and Blake Fisher. And I'm just talking about pure talent, right? Mm-hmm. So like all the traits that those guys have right. combined with Charles Jagasaw coming in, which is like, yeah, but we don't know if he's going to start though. I think that's kind of the thing is you're looking at the starting lineups. Oh, we're and, talking about the starting five. Not yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of, to me is, is okay. yeah. And if you're going to go depth, then you could have a different conversation, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the, those teams weren't quite – I mean, you had seven or eight guys deep, and then there was like Trevor Rulins and guys like that. But, yeah, continue. Yeah, I mean, it, so, I mean, my mind just went to, you know, what the entirety of the room looks like. But if we're just talking about the starting five, I mean, 
I think that you could have a legitimate conversation that Blake Fisher is a more talented player than Mike McGlinchey, but Mike McGlinchey is obviously a more proven player at that same stage in his career, or not the same stage in his career, but you know what I mean, at, at the end well, of his career. Let me ask you this, though, Ryan. Yeah. Because, see, here's the thing. Mike McGlinchey on the 2015-0 line was their third best lineman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to talk about Joe Walton, Blake Fisher, you got to compare them to Quentin Nelson and Ronnie Stanley. Sure. Right. And then now, now you're talking about who Zeke Carell, Billy Shrouth, somebody like that comparing to Mike McGlinchey. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's, yeah, that's what makes that 2015 O line so good is you're, you're correct. Mike McGlinchey was your, but that Mike McGlinchey was your third most talented offensive lineman on that team. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. That's what kind of makes it a little bit nuts. Yeah. That does. Really does, yeah. But just that we can have that conversation, yeah. is pretty. Let me ask awesome. you this: Take the <laughs> yeah. top two. I want to yeah. hear your comparison. Projecting Blake and 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 Joe into their into the next season because twenty fifteen mm-hmm. it kind of balances because they're going to both be juniors. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Stanley was a senior in twenty fifteen, but Q was just a sophomore, redshirt freshman. Right, right, right. Yeah. So where they were at those stages of their careers, where you think that this this group will be, give me the the conversation of of one versus two. I think that would be an interesting one for me to hear from you. I I think that for me, Joe Walt versus Ronnie Stanley is one where I mean I, I mean I'll say it right. I, I think that as long as the trajectory continues going into next season. I think Joe Wall will end up being a better player during during his Notre Dame career than what Ronnie Stanley ended up being. So I would give the edge there. Quentin Nelson, Blake Fisher, like it's Quentin right now. And it just as Quentin as a Richard freshman, it would be Quentin Nelson for me too. I just you've seen the the peaks of Blake Fisher. You just have seen a little bit more valleys. And I feel like what you saw with Quentin Nelson, I mean, I I I just remember Quentin Nelson as a retro freshman. I'm like, yeah, he's not perfect, but like it's pretty darn good already, man. Like it's wild. So yeah. Um, but I think that you have a conversation about Joe Walt maybe edging out Ronnie Stanley for in next year's version of Joe Walt anyway. But then number two, I I mean you can't I can't give like that over Quentin right now. I just don't think it's fair. Here's a, here's an interesting way is John said talented. I think what I would probably argue is that Ronnie Stanley will always be more talented than Joe Alt if we're talking about physical gifts. I think Joe Walt's already a better player than Ronnie Stanley was in college. Ronnie Stanley was a very inconsistent player. He gave up four sacks in his All-American year, mm-hmm. right? Like, he was really good, but at times he – the thing I like about Joe Walt is what I want from a left tackle is not moments of brilliance. It's mm-hmm. consistently be really good. Right. And what Joe Walt was this year as a sophomore was consistently really good. His highs this year were never as good as Ronnie's highs in 2014 and 2015. Mm-hmm. But his lows were never nearly as low either. That meeting was much better for Joe than it right. was for Ronnie. Ronnie was, like I said, Ronnie was an inconsistent player. And I think the thing, too, is I would argue that Joe's already a better run blocker than Ronnie was in 2015. Would, mm-hmm. would you disagree with that? No, I don't think so. So if you're going to take it away from talent and just talk to who's the better player, I think Joe Walton in 2022 was a better player than Ronnie Stanley was in 2015. And I've argued this as well, Ryan. I think Liam Eikenberg in 2020 was better than what Ronnie Stanley was in 2015 and what Mike McGlinchey was in 2017 because, again, it's about the consistency. Sure. McGlinchey had a couple bad games in 2017. 
Mm -hmm. right? I actually felt Mike McGlinchey's best year was 2015. He was brilliant as a right tackle in 2015, right? But that's kind of where where I, I think I think that's interesting. But then the thing that blows it up, Ryan, is the Q versus anyone else conversation. <laughs> this is no right. shot on Blake Fisher, but Quentin Nelson is one of the best offensive linemen I've ever seen in my life in college. He, he and, he, and he started to show it in 2015, started. right? Yeah. It, but he started to show it as a redshirt freshman, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like he had some inconsistency that you'd see from it. But I think the thing is, is, is he was he was just even that year. And just go watch the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. What he did to Raquan McMillan. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. When he came off and just drove away Raquan McMillan, like he like blindsided them, you know, the, the scene from Blindside where the guy drives him out and puts him <laughs> over the fence. It was like the college yeah. version of that. Ray, Raquan McMillan, who was a second round pick and started a linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the fact that we're even entertaining the, the conversation is, is what it could say. Now, the key for next year's offensive line, right, is going to be how do the other guys stack up? That's going to be the key. Can Zeke build on this season, right? That's going to be part of it. You yeah. know, who steps up a guard? Is it Jagasaw? Is it Billy Shrouth? Is it Rocco? Is it Andrew Kristoffic? You know, I think Andrew Kristoffic would compare quite favorably to Steve Elmer from a talent standpoint. Yeah. You know, then, and I think Zeke Carell, if he jumps, could can, could could compare very, <laughs> very favorably to Nick Martin, talent-wise and production-wise. Then the question is, is will your third guy be as good as Mike McGlinchey was in 2015? And that's the separator for me. Because if we could say, okay, Joe's better than Ronnie, Q was better than Blake Fisher, let's even if we said it's a wash, just for argument's sake, and then four and five are a bit of a wash, the three is – I have a hard time seeing the third guy being as good as Mike, what Mike McGlinchey was that year. That, that's that's my own thing. That's fair. Yeah. I do think that group in 2015, however, was a great pass-blocking offensive line. It was not a great run block. It was a good run-blocking offensive line, not a great one. I think this offensive line next year could have a chance to be a better run blocking line. And let's not forget too, when Quentin Nelson got hurt and missed two games, Alex Barr stepped right in and was pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was a really good offensive line, really good offensive line. All right. So here, here's a non-football question, Ryan is from Archer four, five, two is avatar the most overrated Hollywood blockbuster franchise of all time. If not, what is Yes, it is. It is because for a long, I, I think it's been overtaken, but for a long time, that was the most viewed movie or whatever, yeah. right? Like the most, like the highest grossing movie, whatever yeah. the heck those, those things are. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched it years later, I think just on the TV and I turned it off. Like I thought it was yeah. awful. And now they have a second one coming out and everyone mm-hmm. kind of knows it's like a joke. It's like, wow, they're doing that again. Huh? Interesting. Cause it just, you yeah. Made money. It wasn't actually good. So I, I never yeah. got the original one. It was yeah. It never made sense to me. It yeah, just it was, was like really, like it was just it was just so cliche. Yes. All those horrible evil humans. Yeah. You know, it's just like okay, dude, we've seen this played out before. Like yep. okay, man, whatever. Uh, it was lame. I didn't like it. I, cool. The, I'll say this: the effects were cool. The special effects were cool. Sure. The movie was lame. Well, that, that that's why it was such a hit was that it was you know it had the yeah. nice effects and everything, but right. yeah, it's it was bad. I can't really think of another one that I think is that bad. Like it was that was a franchise. Um, Twilight. <laughs> um, that's cool. um, I don't yeah. I don't think I've ever actually seen any of the Twilight movies though, yeah. so I can't really comment on that one. But. I. I mean, but I don't. I don't know if I'd consider them rated high. I don't know how they're viewed. I'm, I'm sure they were viewed. Kind of I'm sure they, they were did. viewed high. I'm sure they um, were viewed high. 
Yeah. I mean, you could say Star Wars if you're going to include the second and third installments. The first was great. The last mm-hmm. two were, well, you know, the middle one was bad. The, the, la- the most three recent ones were okay. But, um, yeah. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't like uh, you didn't like George R. Banks? Weren't a fan? No. No. <laughs> so awful. So awful. Oh, Ooh. goodness gracious. All right, let's get some more of these. Try to knock some of these out a little bit here. Uh, ben Brent Smith Ryan asks, "Where is Ben Minich's floor, and how high is his ceiling?" I think the ceiling has changed in my mind based upon what he did as a senior. I would say the floor has always been there, though, right? It has. I mean, Brian, for me, it's his floor is that Ben Minich. I think is going to be a good, solid backup safety and a premier special teamer. Like that's what I think he is, right? Like a coverage unit type of special teamer. I think that's what he is as a floor. I then always has been what he's at floor, even before senior year. I thought I thought he had a high floor. I think that the ceiling for me is a little higher now. I think that he has enough talent where he can be a starting caliber good football player at Notre Dame at safety. So before the year, I would have said he's more than likely his he's like a fringe type player to start down the line. But I think that the senior year has changed my opinion on him a little bit. I think that he can play on the Notre Dame level defensively. And I think that he has the ability to start eventually. I do think he has that type of C-line. I agree. F-U-S-C-N-D-1988. We're not about to start bending over backwards and getting into bidding wars for these kids. And quite frankly, I'm okay with that. I wanted to pull this up, Ryan, because I agree with this. I do. And I understand where people are coming from. But there, there's something to be said for in football. Mm-hmm. chemistry is huge. And I've talked yep. to some people that work in, in college sports um, recently talked to someone who works in, in an sec program. I've talked to people in ACC programs. I've talked to people that, that, uh, that know people in other programs and this NIL stuff is tearing locker rooms apart Yeah, because veteran players are like, what the freaking heck is this kid's making his kids like the third best player at this position group. And he's making X amount of dollars. You know, you're you're seeing kids in basketball have injuries that they should be coming back from, but they're not coming back because they're not coming back until they're getting paid. That's a holdout. It's a holdout. Like, that's really where you want to be. Uh, I want to find the kids like Jeremiah Love, like Braylon James, like Jaden Greathouse, who are very good football players, mm-hmm. but understand that they're coming to Notre Dame for something more than just who's going to offer me the most money. Right. And and if if a kid's not willing to come to your school because you're not willing to offer him enough money, then is that really a kid that's coming to your school for the right reasons? Is he going to be willing to put in the sacrifice in the classroom to make it work? Or is he just going to take his money and then leave in the portal in a year and get another bag, right? If he doesn't want to put in that work, you know what I mean? Like you've got to get buy-in. Yeah. And, and if Peyton Bowen ultimately, let's just say hypothetically he has a change of heart and he says, you know what? All the reasons I committed to Notre Dame in the first place, those are important to me. And I, and I need to drown out the voices that now have me going this way. I need to go back to that kid that last January 1st made this decision for all the different reasons. Then you know you got a kid that's bought in. You know he's bought in. But if you have a kid that you've got to pay more money to, okay, Oregon's offering and Oklahoma are offering this much. We're going to have to offer this much in order to entice him to come here. What's his buy-in? Right. So let's say his girlfriend goes to Oklahoma. She's having a great time. She's loving it. This campus is so great. He's in Notre Dame struggling with his freshman classes. Maybe he's not playing as much as he thinks he should. What, what's he going to do? The buy-in's not there. I know that Oklahoma's offer still on the table. 
right? My best friend's quarterback there. My girlfriend goes to school there. They're recruiting my brother. I know that they'll still offer me money. I'm going to go there now. There's no buy-in, right? If he decides to go to Notre Dame, you know that kid's bought in and you know he's going to see it through if things maybe are a little tougher as a freshman than he thinks. And, and you need to find out who those kids are. You know, that's the reality yep. of it. So yep. thoughts on that, Ryan? I know you got to leave here soon, but your any thoughts yeah. on that? I mean, I think you said it perfectly, Brian. Like, because the guys that you need to entice to come are the guys that are going to leave when the first thing that something bad goes wrong, right? I mean, right. with because it's not just the NIL side of things, guys. Like, that's not all it comes down to. It's also the ability to transfer so easily now. Mm-hmm. Those two things intertwined makes it so easy for a t- player to say, nope, don't want to be a part of this. I'm out of here, right? Because we're talking about the, the recruiting side of things where it's like last minute you get a big NIL deal. Nope, peace. I don't care if I've been you know, creating great relationships with you guys for months. I'm out of here. Deuces, right? But that then it goes to if a player, and this is not shot at Peyton Bowen, but if a player has those thoughts and begrudgingly goes to Notre Dame, let's say, and then down the line he's not playing as much or he's not a great culture fit or he's not getting along with this player or whatever it is, it's easy for them to just say, I'm out of here, man. Like, I don't have to be here. So I think when you intertwine both things together, there's just – it's tough to get players that aren't bought in from the beginning to, to continue to be bought in. Those players, I think, become deficiencies in the locker room pretty quick because they just – they don't want to be there. If you didn't buy in mm-hmm. from the beginning, why would you buy in when something negative happens while you're on campus? Right. Ryan, do you have time for one more? Do you got to do you got to run? Okay, because I want to I want to get your thoughts on this from Irish Blooded. Do you prefer the Marcus Freeman version of the three three five, or do you prefer the the Heacock at Iowa State version that plays more to the box? I prefer Marcus Freeman's more than I, I prefer Marcus Freeman's more that version because I think that you could be a little more versatile with that one. I, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is that when you saw. Like my Jay Sanders was a decent conversation, right? Because there were times where they played him as a three down, but there were also times where he was the stack linebacker and then they would bring him off the edge. You could do those types of things. And I do like what's coverage wise that you can do out of what Marcus Freeman wants to do three, three, five, because he plays a lot of too high, but he's also aggressive to bring extra guys into the box and to be able to be versatile, I think is the biggest thing for me. And it's no shot against the Heacock version because I think that that has merit to it as well. But I really do like how versatile I think that you see Marcus Freeman because he's one with different types of like even his hybrid rover types, right? Like those types of guys. Like, I mean, one year it's a guy that's more of a nickel type. Next year it's more of a guy that's a linebacker kind of hybrid, a safety hybrid. They had the the pace kid last year, number 20, that was kind of their guy in that mold. So I think it's versatility and the ability that you have alignment perspective-wise. I think in Marcus Freeman's defense, you can give a team a lot of different looks, in my opinion. Yeah, Agree. One last question, Ryan. This mm-hmm. is important. It, Dexter Domer asks, if Peyton Bowen leaves the class, do you still go after his brother? My answer yeah. is simple, no. There's yeah. nothing you can tell me over the next year that's going to – there's nothing you're going to tell me that's any different than what your brother told us. It's true. Now, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think Eli likes Notre Dame a whole lot. I don't Uh, think so either. Yeah. But no, no, I would not. And I wouldn't do it begrudgingly. It's just like, look, I've been there once. Sorry. We're not going to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 again, we talked about this last night, didn't we? I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I, 
it's it, it's an awkward because it's really awkward, isn't it? Right. I mean, like your the your older brother decommitted just a year older than you. And I mean, I think he made a great point, right? I've talked about this on the show before. I think Eli likes Notre Dame, but I don't think Eli's ever liked Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like Not the way Peyton level. does. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't think – I personally didn't – I wasn't convinced that even if Peyton ends up in the class that Eli was going to end up in the class, if we're being completely honest right. with ourselves. So it's just one of those things where I think the situation is going to kind of force you to maybe go a different route, which we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think the only reason he would have picked was because uh, his brother was here. I, I agree it. with that. I agree. With that. Eli doesn't come without Peyton. Peyton may have come without Eli. That's the dif- that. that's the difference. So no, and, and and Notre Dame knows that. And so no, I don't expect them. Nor would I. Would I continue? And that doesn't mean he's not a good player. He's a very good football player. Very good. But I just, it just you have to be smart about how you're spending your resources. So. Yeah. That's where oh, I e- e- Eli Bowen's going to be a tremendous player, whether he lives what ends up in Oklahoma, right. Oregon, or wherever. He's going to be a very yeah, good player. He's really no good player. Yeah, really our smart. opinion of him as a player has not changed at very all. Smart Just player. like our opinion of Peyton Bowen hasn't changed at all as a player. Kids a stud, man. He's a, he's a top 20 player in the class. Yeah. He's a stud. Yep. There you go. All right, Ryan. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. John A1 asks, which position coach earned a raise in 2022? I think a couple did. I, I think that. Uh, I think that Brian Mason did. I think Mike Mickens did. I think you can make a case for Harry Heastand, but you know, I, I would like to see his unit finish a little better. But Mike Mickens and and uh, and Brian Mason for sure for me did that for sure. I think you'd argue Dylan McCullough as well uh, did a really really nice job this year with that group. Uh, Irish fan fifteen, what are your guys' opinion on Michigan program and Harbaugh at its current state? Will their success continue? I don't think it will. Uh, I could be wrong here. I don't think it will because I don't know if they've recruited the positions well enough consistently the last couple years that to the level of where their current roster is. And now that could change, right? That could change. They could use the success they've had. They could fill some holes. Cause like what Michigan's done a nice job of with the portal is they don't bring in a lot of portal guys. They do what I think Notre Dame needs to do, which is, uh, a, a spot here, a spot there. Like their offensive line was returning some really good players, but you know, center was maybe not as locked in as others. So they went out and got the kid from Virginia and just solidified it and they had another great line again. So, uh, you know, I just, I kind of look at it and I say, um, uh, I just, I'm not sure. I'll say this. I won't say no, I'm not sure. Now, the counter is I do think J.J. McCarthy has a chance to be a really good quarterback, and I think they've upgraded the skill on defense, on offense especially. Uh, I think their young talent at receivers pretty good. I think it's going to get better. They've got some good young talent at tight ends. They've got some decent young offensive linemen that fit their system really well. I just I got to see better front seven and a little better secondary recruiting consistently for me to think that, but – I wouldn't have thought this year's team was going to be as good as it is. He's 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 just kind of he's found his niche right now and it's working for him. And it's, you know, it's it's working for him because they found they're they're kind of kryptonite to what Ohio State's doing, to be honest with you. Ohio State is a team that's all about athleticism and speed and scheme and all this kind of stuff. And Michigan said, Hey, that's good. You can be that way. We're going to be a different type of team. We're going to come out and and just punch you dead in the face and punch you in the mouth, and we're going to come after you. And I thought, um, you know, I thought that was 
I thought that was uh I mean it's I'm surprised by it, but that's that's big time. So Brent Smith says Blake Fisher's superior talent to Mike McGlinchey. Trust me, take it from a longtime 49ers fan. Okay, you're comparing a sophomore in high school to an NFL player, first of all. Second of all, as I said earlier, Brent, Ronnie Stanley or uh Blake Fisher is the number two talent on this offensive line. McGlinchey was number three on that line. So you're not even comparing comparing Blake Fisher to Mike McGlinchey. You're comparing him to Quentin Nelson and Ronnie Stanley. Mike McGlinchey's com- being compared to Zeke Carell or whoever starts at right guard or whoever starts at left guard next year. So it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, but it's just as far, but as far as God given ability, I, I, I don't care what Mike McGlinchey does in the NFL. Just look at what he was in college. I, yes, I think Blake Fisher is more talented than Mike McGlinchey. There's, there's no question. Cause let's not forget that by this stage in his career at Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey had never started a game. His for his first start was not until the bowl game of his sophomore year. So Blake Fisher's got a lot more experience, and part of that is the roster, but part of that is because Blake is more talented. So I, I agree with your premise. I just I don't think it's really it, as far as for the conversation we're having of 15 versus 22, that's not the comparison that needs to be made, is all I'm pointing out. It would be McGlinchey versus whoever the number three guy is. Because I think we would all agree that if we're just talking talent, Mike McGlinchey was not in the top two of the 2015 offensive line. That was Q and Ronnie Stanley. I think we're, we're the top two in that group, in my opinion. So, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to this one. Brent Smith says, uh, Brian and Ryan, seriously, do you believe Notre Dame allowing players to have their names on their jerseys makes a difference? I don't. I, I think I I don't know. I, I don't. I know some people think this is a thing. I don't. I mean, if you're an advertiser and a kid's a great player, you're you're not you're. I mean, you're not going to ever see Bryce Young's name on the back of a your the back of a jersey in a in a in a commercial, will you? I mean, usually you see just the front. I don't think that stuff matters. And then the other thing is his helmet's off. So you're going to see his face. I I don't think that stuff matters. I don't. I, I like the tradition of it. I don't think having names on jerseys all of a sudden ups your value as a player. I don't. I think what ups your value as a player is you're the quarterback in Notre Dame and you're good. Whether you got the name on the back of jersey or not doesn't really matter to me. I, I really don't think it does. I I, I just there's a lot of things that I think Notre Dame can do a better job of 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 marketing their players. And Brent, you and I could definitely have those conversations about things that I think and that we think that Notre Dame needs to do a better job of. And when it comes to marketing their players, I don't think Notre Dame does a nearly good enough job pushing their players for postseason honors, which is part of the reason I don't think they win as many. It's not just the bias; the bias is part of it. 
But I think Notre Dame's got to do a better job of pushing and marketing. I don't. I just don't think that part of the program is really strong right now, in my opinion. So we agree on that. It's just names on the back of the jerseys is like way down my priority list of things to concern myself about. Now, I'm also not someone who is against the idea. If, if they decide to do it, okay, whatever. I, I like the tradition of not having it, but I also don't care if they do, if they add it. I don't think it's one of those things where, like, to me, fighting against not putting names on the jersey is similar, Brent, to, like, not wanting a Jumbotron. Well, Newt Rock never, never had a Jumbotron. Well, Newt Rock never had face masks. So are we going to not have face masks because Newt Rock didn't have face masks? Like, you know, it's, it's silly. Uh, it's just not something that I'm pounding the table for. Right. It's, it's just not. So I don't agree that it's something that is is makes a difference, but it's also not something. And I kind of like the uniqueness of not having it on there. It's about the team and all that kind of stuff and the gold helmets and all that. I like it without the numbers, the names. But if Notre Dame decided tomorrow they're going to put names in their jerseys for all the time, I wouldn't care. It wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't be upset about it. Now, I know others would, but just for me, I speak for me. I don't it, it wouldn't matter. David Flores, uh, with the t- with the college football expansions, is there t- any talk of increasing the four-game limit for redshirting? I have not heard that, David. I think it should. Or actually, you know what? I would say this, David. I'm not – this is how I think the rule should go. I think it should be four games. It should always be four games. It's a third of your season. I just wouldn't count the postseason. I don't think the postseason should count, especially with like all – like <clears throat> bowl games now, even if – even if the college football playoff didn't expand, David, it's like with all these opt-outs and transfers and portals and all this kind of stuff, you're going to need these freshmen. But you're like, this kid's already played four games. I can't play him in a bowl game, so we're shorthanded because of this rule. I don't think postseason should count towards um, games played for redshirt, in my opinion, whether there's expansion or not, whether you're in the playoff or not. Because like then you would say, well, okay, that would only matter for teams that go beyond the first round, right? I think it should be four games no matter what in the postseason shouldn't count. Irishman 7114. I'm curious, Brian, if you're magically given the keys to how Notre Dame runs their NIL stuff, what would you change, if anything at all? Um, I would I would need to know more about how Notre Dame is pursuing NIL dollars or or different things to be able to comment on the process in that regard. So I try not to speak on things that I don't have knowledge of. So I don't know how Notre Dame is going about. Uh, say within the rules to facilitate these type of things. I don't know how that process works. What I do believe, however, is that Notre Dame needs to do a better job of, of promoting the deals that their players are getting and the value that their players are getting. And I know the Notre Dame coaches are doing that, but I think there, there, there needs to be more public promotion of it. I think that they need to do, they need to be like Notre Dame just, I think that the impression I get is that they think that it's like a dirty business. It, it is. It's a, it's a dirty business. But it's it's one of those things where it's the reality of it, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with NIL. I'm a, I'm a pro-NIL guy. I think Notre Dame should embrace NIL. They should not embrace using it as enticement to get other players. That I don't support. But they should do more to maximize the opportunity. There's a lot of business opportunities they could do. They may be doing that. I don't know if that's what they're doing. Um, so I can't really speak on that. But that's part of the problem. The part of the problem is that we don't know. 
because they're not doing a good job of communicating it. They're not doing a good job of promoting it. They're not doing a good job of getting out there and saying, hey, you know, these are the things uh, that 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 are important. These are the things that are matter. These this is what our kids are doing. This is the success that they're having. All these type of things that Notre Dame coaching staff is not doing a good job of doing that. And I think they need to do a much better job of doing that. That's where I think the first thing I would do is we got to market this. We've got to market uh, the the success we are having. We've got to do things where we're where we're trying to push and setting up ways where we can within the rules uh, kind of attract more of this. I think those are all things that I'd like to see more of, in my opinion, to be completely honest with you, uh, when it comes to NIL. That's the first thing that I would change because, you know, I've talked to people in the program and, and look, there's obviously more money to be had, but there's a lot of kids in Notre Dame doing well when it comes to NIL. There is. And so they're not doing enough of promoting those successes. I think people I think people would be shocked to learn how much money Notre Dame players are, are making, current Notre Dame players are making. It's impressive, some of them. I think those are things that they need to be doing more and more of, in my opinion, is promoting that stuff. That's what I'd like to see more of. So very good question. Tyler asks, who would you guys compare Aeneas Williams to? I haven't watched any of his film. This is going to seem like a really lazy comparison, Tyler, but it's honestly, it's it's a bigger, quicker version of Kyron Williams. I mean, he really does. I, his film's that way. He's from Missouri. They're similar body type. Again, he's uh, Aeneas is a little, little taller. Um, similar game, great pass catcher. Uh, just overall style of play, it's very similar to Kyron Williams. Very, very similar to Kyron Williams. It's a comment from P. Irishman. Thanks for all you got for you do, Brian. Ryan and I be staff. You're welcome. I'm still loving the 23 class and can't wait until they get on the field. You are, I agree with you. I agree with you very, very much. Uh, Sean Rogers says this. He says, uh, sadly, the four for 40 doesn't compare to the big old bag of cash. These kids are surrounded by selfish relatives that want to pay out sad. Uh, there's a couple things that I find wrong with this comment. Number one, I, I hate broad comments like this that just kind of assume that every kid's situation is the same. It's not. Uh, and I think it's unfair to, to say that it is number one, number two, um, not every kid is, it's like the sadly the fourth doesn't compare to the back. Yeah, it does to some kids. Just, this has always been true. Y'all like, this is what frustrates me that the money by buying players is not new. It's just more out there now. It's, it's bigger amounts now. It's, it's, but it's still not legal. And Notre Dame lost a couple kids because of it. Lost three kids because of NIL. Two for sure. If if they lose Peyton Bowen. But that's happened all the time. There are always kids they can't get because those kids are taken under the table money in the past. The reality is, is there are pl- look, Notre Dame's gonna have a top five class, in my opinion, my view of what it is. It's a top five class. In the era of NIL, clearly there's a lot of football players that that do view four for 40 as more important than upfront guaranteed money. There are people that view money earned as more important and more impactful and more long lasting than money given in a one-time type of thing. There are certainly kids like that. So to sit there and say that that's, it, it, it doesn't compare. It's just wrong. It's it, anecdotally, anecdotically it's wrong just from this Notre Dame class there. And not every kid going to Bama or Georgia or wherever else is going there because of NIL. It, it's just not reality. 
And I really don't think like this is kind of the pushback that I think Wayne was speaking to earlier, which is, look, some kids money matters to them. Some kids, it's about the NFL. So, I mean, some kids it's like, Hey, I go to the school I want to go to and get money. Of course I'm going to do that. But if a kid, if a family decides that, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're about to get evicted from our home. You got two younger brothers and sisters. You like that school anyway, let's take that money because you're going to help our family out in a tough spot. I have a, a relative who's, who's been going through a sickness and, and the medical bills are paying up, and I want to be able to step up as an 18-year-old and use my talent to help out my family. It's not selfish. Now, in some instances, the family will say, no, 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 don't do that. Do what you got to do. In other instances, they'll say, hey, thank you. Appreciate that. doesn't make them selfish. Are there selfish parents out there? Yeah, definitely. I actually think the parents are worse than the kids in a lot of this stuff. There's parents pushing kids who aren't concerned about money. Dante Moore situation. Dante wasn't the problem. His dad was. So, uh, but it's not true in every case. It's not true in every case. It's not true in Peyton Bowen's case. So I just think it's an unfair way to phrase it. Honestly, it, every there's just different kids. There's different kids. If CJ Carr was as concerned, if CJ Carr and his family were as concerned about NIL as Dante Moore and his family, then they'd be looking at this whole differently. They wouldn't be committed to Notre Dame right now. And, and, CJ Carr doesn't come from a his parents aren't like loaded with money. And and I think there's a perception of that. I don't think that's accurate, but clearly they're not pursuing it that way. They don't look at it that way. And that's why he's committed Notre Dame. So I just think it's unfair to to kind of put everybody into that group. That's just me. I, I I just I don't want us to be that way. I want us to be able to be more nuanced with this, to be honest with you. All right, let's get to some more here. I want to work through a few. I do have to get running here. John Rich says, I'd be really interested to see a comparison of Brian's combined upside grades for this class versus others he's evaluated. Number four stars, four and a half stars, five stars. I will do that, John, actually on signing day. But I can tell you now that as long if they lose Peyton Bowen and Jay Lamar, it'll it'll have more five stars than all but maybe one class the last five years. And and it's one of those classes had like five more kid, four or five more kids. I'd have to go back and look at it. But um, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to have more four, five stars. And and the four and a half and fives combined, it's definitely going to have more than other classes for sure. I don't think there's a single kid in this class that I don't have at least a four and a half star upside grade for, which is never – I don't think it's ever happened. I'd have to go back and look. There may be one. Uh, Preston Zinter is, the, is one that I'm not sure of. Uh, after you look at Sam Pendleton's, he's another I might not be sure of. Those are the only two. Uh, ben Minich doesn't have one when I graded him at first, but he will now after his senior season. Um, so I have to look at that. I have to look at that. But that's a that's a good one. Brian Harrington says I've uh, read uh, that uh, uh, there's two uh, there's two comments related to this that I want to I want to pull them both up. Uh, this one is from Brian Harrington. I read. Brandon Hillman ran a digital four seven. What does that translate to compared to other player times? Then Brent Smith says, where do you, where do you feel uh, Brandon Hillman fits on this team? I'm surprised his PR in the 40 is four seven and he's knocked two tenths of his 40, but incredible, but has an incredible 40 inch vertical jump. Number one, the four seven is electronically, which means it's going to be slower than what the digital time was or the handheld time was. That's normally how it works. So handheld time would have been in the four sixes. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Jeremiah Wusukoromo was without question a higher than a 4.7 after a senior year at Notre Dame. 
Jalen Elliott ran a 4.8 electronically at the Combine and didn't run much better at the Pro Day. He was a really good football player for Notre Dame. Uh, the, the thing I love about this kid, because we talked when Notre Dame first looked at him, he's not a fast kid. He's not a burner, but he's really quick and explosive, and he plays fast. So, number one, he'll knock a tenth off just being at Notre Dame and being in the strength program, number one. Number two, his 40 time is not that much different than other – I mean, Notre Dame had a really good safety class, really good safety group in 2018 and 2019. Aloha Gim was the fast. He ran like a 4 six, three. Right. So if we're, we're, we're talking like real digital time, that's not fast. It's not slow either. It's it's OK. It's OK. But he plays fast. And that's the thing. Like when you watch this film, Brent, did you see a kid that you thought, man, this kid's slow. This kid doesn't have the speed to be an athlete at the next level, to be a receiver, running back or safety. I didn't. I didn't see that. I But I did see a kid that's not a burner. He's not running like Braylon James is. You know what I mean? So uh it compares somewhat favorably to a lot of kids that have played safety at Notre Dame. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you it's, I mean, it's like I said, it's very simple, comparable to the 2018, 19 safety group. Uh, it's comparable. I mean, it's faster than like DJ Brown and Houston Griffith were for Notre Dame this year. Uh, so I'm not worried about it, to be honest with you. I'm really not worried about it. Uh, a couple comments from down here. If we've got Brian Hockney says, why is Peyton Bowen Chris O'Leary's fault? Angus Pound says, if Chris O'Leary uh, fault in their name wouldn't pay a million. You guys are missing the point. The point is you needed Peyton Bowen in this class because you struck out last year. They signed zero safeties last year. They signed Jaden Bellamy as a corner. He got recruited by Mike Mickens primarily, and then they moved him to safety. So that's a problem. You've been here two years, and, and you had this really good safety in this class, and you couldn't finish, nor could you necessarily read the room well enough, in my opinion, to say, hey, maybe we should go out and get this. And the guy that they did end up getting who could potentially be a replacement, and I, I hope that Brandon uh, Hillman doesn't have to play safety. I'd rather rest him at Rover or on offense. But if that's the case, Chris O'Leary didn't recruit him. Chad Bowden did. And so uh, that's a problem. And in, in a two-year stretch, you would have only signed Ben Minich and Don Schuler. That's that's not good enough. It means you you don't have any depth at safety of what you recruited over to your stretch. That's not good. That's not good. Now, did a great job with Peyton Bowen getting him to commit and all those type of things. But you got to be able to close. And you say, well, you know, they they paid money. Look, Dela McCullough did that with Jeremiah Love. Chancey Stuckey did that with 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 Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James. I'm telling you, telling you, Notre Dame's got a lot of kids in this class that have been offered a lot of money to go there, and those coaches didn't lose those kids. Right. And so if they'd have done a better job last year at safety, we'd be having a different conversation. I wouldn't have said that. It's not just about Peyton Bowen. It's about if you lose Peyton Bowen, all of a sudden your safety situation doesn't look as good because you signed nobody last year. That's a problem. We have to be able to say those kind of things. Y'all. I mean, it's a, we have to be able to throw, be objective and be honest. And when a coach needs to be criticized, be willing to talk about it. And so that's what I'm doing. So. Irish in Ohio asked, Brian and Ryan, do you think moving forward teams will target Notre Dame uh, recruits knowing Notre Dame won't match uh, cash handouts? Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. And and honestly, Irish in Ohio, I mean, we said this. It's This is why schools are going after Ohio State's commits. This is why schools are going after Michigan's commits. Michigan lost a kid to Miami. Like how, Michigan's undefeated in the playoffs in the playoff and Miami went five and seven was a disaster. If, if, if A&M wasn't such a train wreck, the story of Miami this year would have been a much bigger story. 
as far as how bad of a train wreck they were. But they're about to sign a top five class. Why? Because the NIL stuff, right? And Mario Cristobal is a good recruiter, and he's got a staff of good recruiters. I mean, that helps too, right? It's not just NIL. That's lazy. But why are they, why did they poach in Michigan kids? Why Georgia go after Michigan kids? Why are why are schools going after Ohio State kids? Why are schools going after Notre Dame kids? It's because they're not paying NIL deals the way that those other schools are. That's why. So yeah, they're gonna all this. Plus, they're really talented. That's the other thing is they're going after Notre Dame recruits because they're really good too, and that's part of it as well. So get the last couple here. And then we do got to get out of here. I'll see if I can find a couple more here real fast that we had. Um, that we had. So John Benko, we'll get to our predictions for the bowl games as we get a little bit closer to the, the playoff games. We will have some stuff like that. Okay, nine problems with BK one. Brian, I agree on the 2022 miss at safety, but you said every kid is different. Not all situations are the same. Then you said this coach hung on to his guys despite NIL, so it's O'Leary's fault. Huh? I don't understand what your problem is. Those t- those things are very consistent, right? There's a lot of smoke out here that was going on about Peyton Bowen, and now it's coming to light as of right now, right? So. Notre Dame needs to be able to read the room and say, hey, look, we've got to have some backup options, right? We've got to have a kid that we can turn to if we lose this. You have to do that. You have to do that. And then if Peyton Bowen doesn't leave, then you're okay. If he does leave, then you've got kids that you've been recruiting. That's part of being a coach. That's part of, you know, kind of the direction you need to go. You need to be able to say, hey, look, if we lose this kid, we've got some kids we've evaluated we can turn to. That happened on the offensive line with Elijah Page. They had some other kids that they'd evaluated, and they were able to move on them. So uh, the reality is, is you can't dismiss those two things. You can't say, I'm saying to you, you guys are taking something and taking a different direction. I'm not saying Chris O'Leary is at fault for not getting Peyton Bowen. You didn't hear me say that. All I said was, is maybe he could have read the room a little sooner and then had a backup option, right? That's what good coaches do. My whole thing is, is if you'd have done a better job last year, then there's no problem. There's no problem. And so, you know, look, Notre Dame was confident. They were being told all the right things by Peyton Bowen and by the family and all type of things, and it didn't work out for him. Stuff happens. What I'm saying is, is perhaps you might you, you might have want to have a backup option or two there. And, and maybe it ends up being Brandon Hillman. But again, Brandon Hillman was not recruited by Chris O'Leary. He was recruited by Chad Bowden. That's the point. And Chris O'Leary didn't do a great job last year. Now, I think he's got a lot of potential. He's a young coach. He's done a decent job as a position coach. I think he's done a pretty solid job last two years as a coach. But we have to be able to look and say, the safety recruiting the last two years has not been good enough if you lose Peyton Bowen. It just hasn't. And I, I think I, I, I assumed that was going to be obvious. You struck out at safety last year. That's not good. That's not good. So, anyway... 
that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Hope you all have a great day. We'll be back here. Uh, I believe that the the um, I believe the rapid fire is going to be starting here in 15 minutes. The special edition of the Friday Rapid Fire with Sean uh, Styers and I believe Vince Dadaro will be part of that. So that'll start here in about 15 minutes uh, on the IB Nation or the IB channel. And then seven o'clock tonight, Ryan and I will be talking about. I'm going to try to get Brian Smith on. We're going to be on to preview and then discuss whatever decision that Aeneas Williams makes. His decision will be at 6 Central, 7 o'clock Eastern. I don't know if it's going to be carried live. If it is, we'll carry it. If not, we'll just kind of preview the decision, talk about the schools until he announces, and then we will talk about whatever that decision is, and then we will talk about sort of what's next for Notre Dame at the position, good or bad, what what it means for Notre Dame, good or bad, about how it plays out. So that's what we will do tonight. So thanks, everybody, for being back with us. You guys, great questions. There was a ton that we couldn't even get to today. Uh, a lot of great questions, a lot of good conversation. I wish we could have got to the World War II stuff. That There was a couple of really good World War II questions, but there's just kind of ran out of time here. Got some things we got to get done here before the other shows start. So have a great rest of your day. IB Nation Sports Talk, rap, special edition rapid fire coming up in 15 minutes, 7 o'clock tonight Eastern. You're going to want to be there for the Aeneas Williams commitment decision. He's picking between Notre Dame, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. We're going to be there for that. So anyway, have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. And uh, thanks for being with us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.